welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 22nd of March 2015, entitled, What Christ Was Made, and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Gospel of John chapter 1, I just want to speak to you, God willing, a few moments this evening, just speak from the heart a little bit about Jesus really four things that we find in Scripture. If we, a simple thought tonight, it's what, uh, what Christ was made. We want to begin with our Scripture reading in the Gospel of John chapter 1. I invite you to stand as we read the first 14 verses there. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy Word this evening. If you were to look in your Bibles, you'd find that the idea at first may hit us as strange, Christ being made anything. But the Bible in at least four different places speaks of Christ being made something to be, something to us. And this is the first place that we find it here in John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the Word was made flesh. Of course, we know so often as we look at this beautiful passage of Scripture here, the Word, capital W in your Bible, not just some small word, logos, It literally means a word that is uttered by a living voice, but it embodies much more than just that sound. It embodies the whole conception and idea of everything uh, that is being said for it to come forth. In fact, Jesus is the way that God communicates to mankind. And he is the only way that we can communicate with God. He is the way that God communicates his message of love to us like no other word or words could possibly do in the same way. Did Jesus become the Son of God at the virgin birth? Of course not. We know that he was the Son of God from eternity past. This was not his beginning, in the beginning was. He already was. He was there. Bethlehem wasn't his beginning. It was just a 
stop-off point in this world, if you would, as he was made flesh. He didn't become the Son of God in Bethlehem. He did become something else, though. The Bible says here he became flesh. He was made flesh at that special event. Of course, one of the great commentators of bygone years, John Gill, he writes this about this passage of Scripture. I'll just quote for you. He says, the same word of whom so many things are said in the preceding verses and is no other than the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity. For neither the Father nor the Holy Ghost were made flesh, as it were said of the Word, but the Son only. And flesh here signifies not a part of the body, speaking of sometimes we think of the flesh as just that, that skin. He says it signifies not a part of the body, not the whole body only, but the whole human nature consisting of a true body and a, and a reasonable soul. And it's so called to denote the frailty of it, being encompassed with infirmities. Though not sinful, and to show that it was a real human nature and not a phantom or appearance that he assumed. And when he is said to be made flesh, this was not done by the change of one nature into another, the divine into the human or the word into a man, but by the assumption of the human nature, the word, taking it into personal union with himself, whereby the natures are not altered. Christ remained what he was and became what he was not. Nor are they confounded and blended together so to make a third nature, nor are they separated and divided so as to constitute two persons, a divine person and a human person, but are so united as to be one person. And this is such a union as can never be dissolved and is the foundation of the virtue and efficacy of all Christ's work and action as mediator on our behalf. He says a lot about it, but the picture that he's trying to draw there is that, of course, Jesus didn't have his beginning there. When Jesus was made flesh, he didn't stop being God, but he became all that we are and all of our frailties in this human body, yet without sin. The Word was made flesh, he says here, and dwelt among us. It's interesting how those words are written there by John because it really is an Old Testament statement that is brought over that he's using here from the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And he literally is saying that he became the tent of meeting. He tabernacled with us in the incarnation. God himself came and tabernacled with us. We find that that was where they met with God in the Old Testament. When they went there, that's where God was. He became flesh here. The word was made flesh 
and dwelt among us. That was God's presence among us. He says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. You've heard the term before, he, we beheld his glory, that Shekinah glory of God alone. The glory of God, the glory of his divine nature. He became flesh and dwelt among us, but through him we see the Shekinah glory of God and all that God is in the person of Jesus Christ. We find that this glory here that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ is, cannot be separated, cannot be differentiated. It is the glory of God. He was God in the flesh. We sometimes sing when we crown him with many crowns and we talk about that ineffability. All of this is ineffable. It's incomprehensive. In other words, Ineffable means something that just can't be described in words. It is such a glorious thing that we find it hard to describe it in words and we find it hard to understand it in our minds. It's beyond us how that God himself could be made flesh and dwell among us. And as he dwelt among us, us see the Shekinah glory of God himself in this person, in this flesh, he says, full of grace and truth. <laughs> Describing the very essence of who he is. You see, of anyone else, we might be able to say that they had grace or they had truth. But this is the fullness of grace, full of grace and truth. In other words, you don't need to look anywhere else. When he was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, all that grace and truth is, all that's embodied in God, we saw in Jesus Christ. There is nothing else to be said about grace or truth than what you see in Jesus Christ. He is the fullness of what grace and truth really is. So this evening, as we just, just think about Jesus, that he was, he was made flesh to dwell among us. That's something that he became. We find that there's another passage, if you look over a bit in your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2, notice what it says here. Begins in verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but, there's that term again, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and what and was made in the likeness of men. First of all, he made himself of no reputation. It was an act of himself. He, he made the choice. He emptied himself of the glory shining through him. Many scriptures teach and testify to the fact that 
Christ was God totally and completely, that he became man. Christ didn't deny this, but rather he lived and ministered in a way that one would have to identify what he was doing as being from God. In other words, Jesus didn't have to go around saying, I am God. Jesus was so much God that when you look upon him, you saw God. He made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. You see, many, many, many people in the world would admit that there was a man called Jesus, but they missed this vital, important point here. They see a good man. They see this person but they don't see God being manifest in that flesh. To believe that Jesus is anything other than God being manifest in the flesh is simply to believe another Jesus, another gospel. You cannot see Jesus as simply a man, as a good man, as a prophet of God, as a great messenger of God and him be your savior and him be your Lord. You see, Jesus, there is only one gospel. There is only one Jesus that can truly save. John also wrote in 1 John chapter 4, and in 1 John chapter 4, notice what he says in verse 2 and 3 there, he says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Just a few pages over in 2 John chapter 1, there's only one chapter in verse 7. He says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Never has there been a man that walked the face of the earth that was more of a man than Jesus Christ. Never has there been a God that was more God than Jesus Christ. Jesus as man and as God, not two, but one. It is indescribable. It is incomprehensible. But it was Jesus Christ himself that the Bible tells us very clearly was made flesh and was made in the likeness of man. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. And again, a passage that I love. I think it's one of the most beautiful passages to celebrate Christmas in all of the scriptures. He tells us so much in these two verses it says, but when the fullness of the time was come, 
God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. What was it we read there a few moments ago? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We find that everything that is was by him. Jesus came from heaven itself. We find that we try to comprehend. <laughs> Again, how, how can we go there? The Bible gives us some little glimpses of it. But we've never seen eternal perfection We've never truly seen those angels that would have been ministering and singing of his glory there in heaven. We've never known a place where there was no aches and no pains and no sickness, where there was nothing that was defiled. But to try to understand that the Bible's telling us here that he left all of it to be born of a woman. He left all of that to come as a helpless baby in a manger. He came there because that he came to help the rest of his fallen race, of Adam's fallen race, Jesus. He left all the glory of heaven. The Bible says here to be made of a woman, to be made under the law. He came to those that would humiliate him, to those that would not receive him, to those that would not accept him. As a matter of fact, we just left there in our verses, in our initial reading, it said in verse 11 and 12, he came unto his own and his own received him not. We find that that was not a surprise to Jesus. Why would he leave heaven behind? Why would he allow himself, God, to be made of a woman on earth? Why would he allow himself to be humiliated by the very creation that he put here himself? Well, he told us there precisely why he did it. We read in Galatians chapter 4, what did he say there in the very next verse in verse 5? It says that he did that to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. He came. He came to be made of a woman, to be made under the law, to redeem us that were under that law and condemned by that law so that we could receive the adoption of sons. You see, so many times people just don't realize the glory of that moment, of that episode when this one called Jesus Christ came into this world. We talk about the incarnation, but so many times it's more about a, a set time on the calendar, some some sense of a season that comes then for the purpose of God coming to redeem mankind. God showing his love like 
No one else ever could. God communicating to us love in a way that nothing else would do. You see, God does love us with a love that is incomprehensible. We, we can only hope to get glimpses and to grasp a little bit of it. Paul, in writing to the Romans in Romans chapter 5, he says to us there, beginning in verse 8, he said, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The truth, though such a simple truth, so that even children can understand it, and yet a truth being so simple that is so incomprehensible to fully understand, God being made flesh, God being made in the likeness of man, God being made under the law, being made of a woman, why? come and die for his enemies? Can we ever comprehend that? And yet, that is exactly what the Bible is reminding us here of our Lord, because that's precisely what he did. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and in verse 21, the Bible tells us something else about this being made he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says there in verse 21, for he hath made him, God hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be what? What's the next word in your Bible? Sin. God has made Jesus to be sin for us. God has made Jesus to be sin for us, who that Jesus, he knew no sin. Why? that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. <laughs> we know as we look into the Scriptures, if we go back to that, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. We know from Scripture that Jesus was committed from the foundation of the world to be the Redeemer of this fallen race. When the fullness of time came, I don't believe he hesitated a moment. When the fullness of time came, he entered that womb of a virgin willingly, joyfully. I don't believe that it ever entered his mind of not going through with it, of turning back, of giving up because that it was too hard. He came and he grew as a child like all children do. He grew into a young man. He entered that public ministry. He submitted himself to be baptized there at the hands of John. And we read in John chapter 3, verse 17, that voice from heaven. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my 
beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The time came for his purpose in coming. I don't believe that there was anything in all the world that could stop that event. Men were certainly not restrained from the awful way that they treated him when he came. We might ask ourselves, <laughs> could not this one that was able to steal the waters of the sea with simply speaking a word, this one that could order the winds to cease and to be muzzled? <laughs> Couldn't he have spoken this one that spoke the world into existence by his word? Couldn't he have just spoken like that lightning flash from the sky and all of those that were nailing him to that cross? They could have been restrained. They could have been destroyed. They could have been stopped in their tracks. I mean, he could have just come down off that cross and walked away, and there is not a thing that they could have done to stop him. You say he could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't do it. Why? Oh, yes. He could have in theory in the sense that it was all his power to do so. He had the authority to do so, but he couldn't because he came to be our Savior. He couldn't because he was our only hope. He couldn't because God loved us so much that he had put this plan in place and nothing would stop it. He couldn't because without him coming to die in our place, without him coming to be made sin. That's, that's so hard for my mind to even begin to try to grasp God being made sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's something that I don't think I'll ever understand. I hope that maybe one day, one day when I'm with him in his presence, maybe he'll give me a greater understanding. I've asked God many times, God, how, how am I supposed to understand that or, or be able to explain that to somebody else? We know with our very being, that this is who Jesus was, Jesus Christ himself. He was made flesh. That's not when he began. He was God. He was there in the beginning. He was everything that was. Nothing exists without him, and yet he came and he became flesh <laughs> in the likeness of man, made of a woman, and he did all of that so that he could be made to be sin, to be sin for us so that we could have the righteousness of God in him. Boy, we say, if only. You know, I've met so many people, and I'm sure that you have, and I'll I'll close with this with this thought this evening. I've met so many people that 
will acknowledge that Jesus was there. But I'm absolutely flabbergasted when I look at God's Word and just with four places in the Word of God with this simple thought of who Jesus was, what He was made and who He was made when He came to this world. He was God being made flesh in the likeness of man, being made to come forth from a woman under the law so that he could literally become sin, be made sin for us so that we could have the righteousness of God. That's our Jesus. That's the only Jesus that saves. And you know, sometimes I, <laughs> I don't mean this in the wrong way. Sometimes I kind of wish there was another way. <laughs> Sometimes I kind of wish that some of them could be right in the, in, in the sense that my heart goes out. I feel compassionate towards those that they may sincerely want to know God and have a relationship with God. But I'm saying to you that there's only one Jesus. There's only one way. and That's the Jesus that was God himself being made flesh being made in the likeness of man, being made of a woman, being made sin for us. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, just simple thoughts as I was reminded in looking at these passages, Lord, that you, know, you planned from the foundation of the world to come forth for your glory to be seen in this one called Jesus. Lord, there's, there's so much there. But Jesus is the one that came, gave up all the glory of heaven to come, to be made flesh, to be made, uh, first, Lord, you first created us in your likeness. He came in our likeness. He came made of a woman to be made sin for us. Lord, I just want to thank you for that again this evening. I want to praise you for that. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to never deter. There's only one answer for this world around us. There's only one Jesus in all the world. There's only one way, one way that you can communicate your love to us and that we can communicate with you. That's through this one called Jesus, the Logos, the word that was there from the beginning. I pray this evening that you'd help us, Lord, to proclaim that word to all around us. Help us to share this Jesus, the only Jesus, the only gospel with the lost and dying world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.